Good morning again, everyone. My name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here at Legacy. Whether you're joining us online on television or you blew into the sanctuary, thank you so much for joining us for worship today. I love the uh, one thing this month of giving board games to people to help encourage and teach them how to you know, deal with losing. I'm 41 years old and I'm still trying to figure out how to deal with losing. I've at least gone from flipping over Monopoly tables to just being moody uh, when I lose. But we're all, we're all in the process, right? This morning, we are continuing our series in these ancient, these stone-carved rules for modern digital times. We've been learning from these 10 words, these 10 commandments given to an ancient people to see if they still hold relevance for us today. We've been challenged by commandment number one, you shall have no other gods but me, reminding us we become what we worship, whether it's technology or Jesus or something else. We need guardrails, we need boundaries around our technology so that we are sure we're only shaped by God and not any of the other other things that we love to do. Number 10 reminds us we should not covet. Don't covet your neighbor's donkey or ox or anything else our neighbor has. But I want it. Coveting is this unhealthy desire for something someone else possesses. And that leads us to sin. It leads us to breaking that connection of loving God and loving our neighbor. And those desires lead to actually breaking some of the other Ten Commandments. We contain our desire, but I want it with contentment. We develop contentment in our lives to hold that at bay. Today, we're going to look at commandment number four. Observe the Sabbath day. We're going to be in Exodus 20 today. You are welcome to follow along in your own Bible, on your favorite device, or on the screen with me. Now, just as a reminder, these are all 10 of the commandments. Now, even though these came a long time before Jesus summarized all of the law and the purpose to say, you, all you have to do is love God fully and to love your neighbor as yourself. Even though that was said millennia after these are written down, it's still here, right in front of us. We love God by following the first four commandments on your left, and we love our neighbors by following the other six. Now we're going to begin today in verse 8 of Exodus 20. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and anyone, any foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. This is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. So what's the challenge in this commandment? Rest. We're called to rest. We work for six days and rest on the seventh. Just like God did when God created the heavens and the earth. Work for six, rest on the seventh. For us today, the ideal work would be your day job for five days, a day to take care of home and house and family, extended family things on the sixth day, and then a day of rest on the seventh. Friends, that is most certainly the ideal because I bet most of our work schedules are not like that. Mine certainly is not most weeks. Now, I find it fascinating. The commandment four, observe the Sabbath day, has the most supporting verses with it. It's the longest one, has the most explanation. Why? 
Now, the Ten Commandments are originally given to this enslaved people, previously enslaved people, to make them a covenant community to be blessed by God to bless others. They were organized in patriarchal, male-dominated, male-led, extended family groups. You would have lived on a compound with your family, your kids, your, your nieces, nephews, grandparents, parents, all together in one kind of compound area. And I can see some of you are thinking, yeah, I could live with those folks. That family would be fine. Nope, if it was that niece, I'd kill them. That wouldn't work. But they didn't have that choice. That's how they lived together in these extended family groups. And living in and around the desert, you had to work to survive. So God telling you to work one day, not at all, nobody in your household, not your servants, not your sons or daughters, means there is a risk you might not be able to survive. This might have been the hardest commandment for them to follow because not working meant they could die. Why does God place so much emphasis on keeping this Sabbath day, a day of rest, reconnection with God and others, with no work? If we don't take a break from work, if we don't take a break from production, from making things, we start to believe that we are what we produce. We are only valuable to the world and to others if we produce and make something, and once that ends, we think we have no value to anyone anymore. That's the extreme thought. That's the extreme version of working 24 hours a day, seven days a week. God says to us, that's false. That's a lie. You are worth so much more than what you produce. You are a child of God, made in the image of God, the creator of the universe, and the one who came in Jesus to show us how to live and then died and rose again so we could be connected to God every single day. We are not what we produce. We are beloved children of God. God wants to be in relationship with every one of us. And the Sabbath day, a day of rest, facilitates, it makes that connection. And among other things, it also reminds us we are more. We are so much more than what we produce. Now, this is not the only mention of Sabbath in our Bibles here in Exodus. Far from it, the Hebrew word Shabbat literally means you stop, you cease work. This word is mentioned more than 90 times in the Old Testament and more than 55 times in the New Testament. It's not restricted to a practice that was before Jesus came, so we don't do it anymore. In fact, Jesus comments on the Sabbath and he tweaks and adjusts some of the practices that had become way too legalistic in his day. In our increasingly noisy and fast and loud world, we have the world in our pockets and our phones every day that can interrupt us in every, any moment, we can absolutely benefit from the practice of Sabbath, a day of rest and recharge every week. We can live in a state where we're never unplugged. We're connected. We're plugged in 24-7. We need regular reminders that we are more. We're so much more than the work we do in the world. Otherwise, if we don't, we can end up like Mr. Asako from Japan. This story comes from the book, Take the Day Off, by Robert Morris. Mr. Asako had worked for several years at a major Japanese snack food processing company. He often put in as many as 110 hours every week. Just to put that into perspective, that's more than two and a half 40-hour work weeks into one. To log 110 hours a week requires working nearly 16 hours a day 
for seven days. He did that week after week, year after year. They found Mr. Osako dead at his workstation, the victim of a heart attack. He was 34 years old. 34. We can buy into this lie we're not good enough if we're not producing 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's not healthy and it's not true. It's not the way God has designed us to be. We buy into the lie that we don't need to take vacation that our employers give us because we're not producing enough or we're not good enough for that. I love this tweet. European out of office emails. I'm away camping for the summer. Email again in September. American out of office. I left, I've left the office for two hours to undergo kidney surgery, but you can reach me on my cell phone anytime. That is funny. It's also incredibly unhealthy, the way extreme of an American work ethic that is not good. We should not always be available to work. Despite our phones and our tablets, we should be off. We should be away from work at different points during the day, during the week, and during the year. We are more than what we produce. The candles we lit this morning in honor of so many of our loved ones, did any of us remember them for how productive they were at work? How much productivity and efficiency they added to the world, that's why we lit the candle. No, of course we didn't. We remembered them for the love they showed us, the ways they made us the people we are today. And we live in hope knowing that we'll see them again because of Jesus' death and resurrection. We know, we know we are more than what we produce. We just practiced it by lighting candles. Now we live it. Now we live it by incorporating the Sabbath into our weeks, into our lives. Now if we need any more reasons to start practicing Sabbath, it is a blessing, it is a gift from God. We're never gonna be who we are until we rest. Now do you know the opposite of blessing from God is cursed. We can be cursed by God. Now just coming through Halloween, we imagine curse from God like God is angry with us and will somehow smite us with a curse. Like those fairy tales where someone is cursed to be a frog until they find their one true love or learn a lesson or something. But that's not the primary biblical use of the word curse. In our Wednesday night Bible study, we were working through Galatians. And one theologian pointed out that cursed by God isn't so much God angry with us or turning us into frogs till we find our one true love, Cursing is God giving us up to the consequences of our own actions. Instead of a blessing from God received by doing what God told us to do, we are cursed by God simply by our own actions and consequences. If we choose to go 50 miles an hour around a curve that's rated at 25 miles an hour, we're going to be cursed and we're going to reap the results of our own actions. That's what it means to be cursed by God. We're cursed by our own choices not being turned into a frog or some other weird Halloween thing. No, cursed, the opposite of blessing, is given over to the consequences of our actions. So we can be cursed by not taking a Sabbath. We're going to be tired. We're going to be cranky. We're going to be run down. We're going to start believing the lie we're not worth something unless we produce with our lives. That's cursed for not taking a Sabbath. Not only does God command us to keep some kind of Sabbath, with Jesus' adaptations, we are de denying ourselves a blessing. We're denying ourselves a gift when we don't take a break. 
Now, keeping Sabbath can also be a witness to the world. So many people, so many businesses go at 24 hours a day, seven days a week. What kind of response would you get if you said, I don't respond to every message immediately, or I don't respond on Saturdays. I'll get back to you next to the work week. And that easily is going to lead you into conversation. What kind of a weird person is this that has boundaries and takes a day off and says, I'll get back to you when I'm back in the office? It can absolutely lead to a conversation about, I do this because I need to reconnect with God, with others, and myself. That's a countercultural move. That's a countercultural statement to say, I'm just going to stop and rest and take a break on this day while the world continues at its breakneck pace. Friends, God wants to bless us with a Sabbath day. It is up to us whether or not we choose to do it. Just as it was a matter of faith and trust for the ancient Israelites that they're going to work enough in six days to make enough for the seventh, it's a matter of faith and trust for you and me. They found, and we're going to find too, that six days is more than enough for what we need. Just as we go into the practice of tithing, of giving 10% of what we do to our work here, we trust that 90% is going to be enough, more than enough, for what we need to get by in the world. So how do we put this day into practice? What kind of things can we do to engage in the Sabbath? First, be disciplined but not legalistic about it. Be disciplined and not legalistic. Over time, over a couple of thousands of years, the Israelites developed some pretty legalistic rules around the proper practice of Sabbath, which traditionally was Friday at sundown to Saturday at sundown. Now in the Talmud and other Jewish texts, they have 24 chapters on what you can and cannot do in the Sabbath. And then as time went on, they added another 39 chapters about what you can and cannot do on the Sabbath. In some eastern cities in the United States, elevators in buildings automatically go up and down on the Sabbath, Friday night to Saturday night, because to push a button on the elevator, to push a button to get to your house is considered work, and Orthodox Jews cannot do that. Jesus pulls us back from this legalistic Sabbath to one that works for us. One Sabbath day long ago, he and his disciples run afoul of some religious leaders, Sometimes I'm pretty sure he did that on purpose. He, this, in this story, he's harvesting grain, they're doing work, they're having lunch on the day of rest. Jesus says, well, don't you know King David did this? And then tells the religious leaders this. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for us, not for us to fit into some kind of prescribed set of legalistic rules. So when you do a Sabbath, pick a day that works for you. Some of us work Saturdays and Sundays, so pick a different day. You might not even be able to start with a full day, so pick a half day. Pick a morning or an afternoon or evening and completely unplug. Disconnect, reconnect with God and your people. Our family's been doing a Saturday morning Sabbath for a few years. And it's been delightful. It's been delightful to read, to hang out in the same room together, to play games, to continue to teach me it's okay to lose and not win all the time. But we are disciplined and not legalistic about it. Sometimes life happens. Sometimes stuff comes up. We are disciplined about it. We hold it, but we're not legalistic. If something comes up, we make a change and we deal with it. Now one day, the religious leaders are watching Jesus closely 
It's another Sabbath day. They're trying to catch him to do work. And here he has the gall, the audacity, to heal somebody of a disease on the Sabbath. He technically did work by making somebody whole on this day. Now he knew that people were already doing this. He knew people already were disciplined but not legalistic on this day. And so he was just trying to point it out to them. Jesus turns to them and said, which one of you doesn't work on the Sabbath? If your son or your cow falls into a pit, don't you rush to get him out. You're not going to turn to your son and say, well, I'm sorry, I've got to wait until sundown before I can get you out of there. So just hang out and we'll be back. Because no, of course not. Anybody's going to get a son or a cow out of a hole, even on the Sabbath. His point, be disciplined, not legalistic about it. Second, turn off technology. Turn off technology. Nomophobia is a term scholars are using for the fear of or the anxiety of no working smartphone near you. Nomophobia is literally no mobile phone phobia. Now, in one study, 77% of teenagers reported anxiety. They reported worries when they were without their phones. Now, before you think we adults are any better, we are not. In the same study, women, 66%, reported anxiety, and 70% of men did as well. We all have a bit of nomophobia. We need to see our phones or technology, they are tools. They're incredible tools, but they cannot give us meaning and purpose and hope. That's Jesus' job. So disconnect. Use the Sabbath day, a disciplined Sabbath day. Turn off your technology. Reduce the nomophobia in your life and remind yourself it's Jesus. It's Jesus, the one who gives us meaning and purpose and hope and keeps our anxiety at bay. Third, experience refreshment. What brings you joy? What do you light up doing? Going out in creation, swimming, cross-country skiing? Is it painting or sculpting? Hanging out at a coffee shop or a library? A frisbee golf or frolf course? The dog park? What thing refreshes you? Do that. Do that on your Sabbath day. And your Sabbath day could be with people or without. Depending upon how you're wired, if people recharge you, then go hang out with other people. Play games, chat. If people don't recharge you, then be alone. Read a book. Go hide somewhere in the library or out in the world. Whatever it is for you that brings you refreshment with or without people, do that. And next, reconnect with God. This could happen in creation. Could happen by reading scripture, singing a song, entering into a time of prayer, journaling, or reading a book. There are so many ways, so many different ways we engage in spiritual disciplines to reconnect with God. And last, block it on your calendar. Find that discipline time that it works for you and put it on your calendar because you're busy. This is your time to reconnect with God, yourself, and your people. Finding something that brings you joy and to do that so it recharges you and to remind you you are worth so much more than what you produce in the world. We need to be intentional in our rest so we can be the people God has created us to be. We need to stop buying into this lie that the most productive people on the planet are the ones who work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, with no rest ever. Once upon a time, there were two woodcarvers, two woodcutters named Peter and John. They were often at loggerheads about who chopped the most wood. So one day, they decided to hold a competition to determine the winner. 
The rules were incredibly simple. Whoever produced the most wood in one day, they win. So the next morning, both of them took up their positions in the forest and they start chopping away at their fastest possible speed. This lasted for an hour before Peter suddenly stopped. When John realized there was no chopping sound coming from his opponent's side, he thought, I got him, he's tired already. And he continued to cut down his tree with double the pace. About 15 minutes passed, half hour, and John heard his opponent chopping again. So both of them carried on. John was starting to feel weary when the chopping from Peter stopped again. Feeling motivated and smelling victory close by, John continues on with a huge smile on his face. This goes on for the whole day. Every hour, Peter would stop chopping wood for 15 minutes while John went on relentlessly. So when the competition ended, John was absolutely confident that he would take the title. But to John's astonishment, Peter had actually cut down more wood. How did this even happen? How could you have chopped down more trees than me? You stopped working every hour for 15 minutes, John exclaimed. Peter replied, well, it's really simple. Every time I stopped work, while you were still chopping down trees, I was sharpening my ax. Friends, God gives us Sabbath for a blessing, for our refreshment to sharpen our ax. We're actually more the way we're designed to be by resting regularly. May we put Sabbath into practice so we remember, we remember we are worth so much more than what we produce. Let's pray together. Loving God in a busy world, a noisy and fast-paced world, may we model something different. May we live at a different pace, keeping the Sabbath you've called us to keep, finding times to rest so we can be blessed by you and be the people you've designed us to be. May we truly understand we are so much more than what we produce. We are children of God, loved by you. Jesus, we come before you knowing this last week we missed opportunities. We did not love you with our whole hearts, and we did not love our neighbors as ourselves. So God, as opportunity, missed opportunities, as mistakes, as sins come to our mind's eye, we confess them to you now in this moment of silence. Jesus, we give you thanks for forgiving us whenever we ask. May your Holy Spirit invade us now so we can love you fully and love our neighbors as ourselves this week. On this All Saints Sunday, we confess together an ancient creed uniting Christians across the world, across every tribe and tongue. Let us, uh, let us confess the Apostles' Creed together. The words are on screen. Let's say them now. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He was suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting.
Amen. Amen.